We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. On today's episode of Setting the Pace, we are talking all things Pascal Siakam. It's been Pascal Siakam mania here on Setting the Pace. But ladies and gentlemen, believe it or not, Pascal Siakam has been a pacer longer than a week now. He got traded to the Pacers last Wednesday night. It is Thursday morning. So, hey, we are going on week two of Pascal Siakam being a member of the Indiana Pacers. But for us to do a good deep dive on Pascal Siakam, Fachi and I could look up all the numbers and look up all the reports and everything like that to give you a good idea. But we thought we need to get someone that's a little bit more in the know with this Toronto organization that watched Pascal Siakam blossom into the most improved player of the year, into a two-time All-Star, into a two-time All-NBA, and an NBA champion. And who better to do that than from Forbes.com covering the Raptors than S. Barahini. S. does a great job. You probably see his stuff on social media. Just absolutely incredible with his coverage of not just the NBA, but the Toronto Raptors and really deep diving into them. So I think you guys are going to really enjoy our conversation, not just talking about Pascal as a player, but how he can help this Indiana team get to the next level, whether or not this was the right move for Indiana at the right time, and how he fits in with Tyrese Halliburton, Miles Turner. I think you guys are going to really enjoy this. So sit back, relax, enjoy our conversation with S. But before we get to that, here's Chris Denary. Indiana, home of Pacers basketball. Miller for three, and he got it. Legends have been born. Miller retreats to the three-point line and hits again. Memories have been made. Halliburton, a deep three for the lead. And baby! Great basketball has been played. Nembhard away. Hits a three in the water. In 49 states, it's just basketball. Flips it to the big fella, fake shoots, and hits! But this... This is Indiana. And you're listening to Setting the Pace. Let's go! go. Your go-to Pacers podcast. Setting the pace with Alex and Fachi. Alex and Fachi. Alex and Alex. Setting the pace with Alex and Fachi. Alex and Fachi. Alex and Alex. Setting the pace with Alex and Fachi. Alex and Fachi. Alex and Alex. Setting the pace with Alex and Fachi. Alex and Fachi. Alex and Alex. We got Pacers hooping. Let's talk stats. Hot takes. All fast. Topics, updates, three-pointers, fast breaks. We keep scoring, we don't need to stop. New episodes, weekly drops. This 
Peace, your number one podcast. Sweeping every team, we gon' need a mop. Setting like the pace with Alex and Fachi. Alex and Fachi. Alex and Alex and setting the pace with Alex and Fachi. Alex and Fachi. Alex and Alex and setting the pace with Alex and Fachi. Alex and Fachi. Alex and Alex and setting the pace with Alex and Fachi. Alex and Fachi. Alex and Alex and. Joining us now on Setting the Pace from Forbes.com, it's S. Barahini. S. I want to thank you so much for coming on, and obviously we're here to talk all things Pascal Siakam. I'm just kind of curious, you know, Pascal Siakam, a huge part of the Toronto Raptors, and Masai Ujiri finally pulled the trigger, made the trade, didn't know if that was ever going to happen, but, you know, three games with the Pacers, the Pacers are 0-3. Just curious, your early impressions of Pascal Siakam with the Pacers. Yeah, I I mean, I've been tuned in for the first three games uh, just because – you know, there's a little bit of separation anxiety. I feel like a little puppy, you know, waiting at at the window, being like, "All right, are you sure you're gonna be okay? You're all right. You know, you got everything you need. You know, all good." Uh, and so there's a little bit of that, uh, especially when you know, from the Raptors' perspective, this is franchise player for the last five years, right? Guy you've been building around, and so uh, to see him be in blue and yellow is sort of off-putting. Just in general, you're just like, you know it's red and black i've only registered red and black it just doesn't make sense color wise um you have to get over some of the aesthetic thing that's happening but overall basketball wise sorry i'll talk about basketball no it's fine Uh, (laughs) (laughs) um the basketball side of things i think it's the figuring out process that's what these first three games and i'm assuming you know especially once hallie comes back there's going to be another figuring out process but just like where he likes the ball what kind of spots he enjoys it where he can kind of take advantage of certain situations where he might not be able to, where he might need a little bit more help. I think some of the defensive, you know, switchability, being able to guard, you know, a couple of different positions has helped the Pacers in some of those like tougher moments, especially, you know, late in this game, there was a possession where he, you know, first was guarding Aaron Gordon, then switched out to Jamal Murray, got the stop. Like there's, there's possessions where you can clearly see, uh, what he can bring defensively is going to help tremendously for this Pacers team, especially because they're, you know, they're obviously struggling on that end. Offensively, it feels like a feel thing in the sense that you have to find the rhythm spots, not only for him, but he has to find it for other guys too. Even tonight against the Nuggets, it was just like, you know, the I think four of the last five possessions, it was he drew a double in the post, kick out, Miles Turner missed for three. Aaron Neesmith missed for three bench. And like, that's going to happen. Them's the breaks, right? That that just is part of it. You know, maybe maybe Pascal more than most is used to, you know, drawing help in the post and then guys missing three-point shots. But uh, I think that's something that usually will not happen in Indiana. And once those shots go in, you're going to see just like his his immediate creation juice, the the gravity he has on the offensive end. Uh, is going to look really, really good on this team. So that's overall, that's the first little bit that I've seen from him. Yeah, you know, when Pascal is at his best, I mean, what would you say his strengths are when he's, you know, what could get him into his his comfort zone? Where is he really being all-NBA, all-star Pascal yeah. Siakam? I mean, we've seen it through these first three games. I'm, I think it's like mid to high post area. Um, you know, he's so good he's been one of the more efficient isolation scorers in the league over the last couple of seasons um i think just his ability to hunt out a mismatch he's incredible in transition that's one thing that i think the pacers might need to tap into a little bit more especially with halliburton off of the floor so 
you know, there's times, especially in this game, where it was like, okay, you know, Pascal gets a rebound, but then he's looking to kick it to Andrew Nembard or TJ McConnell. And, like, those guys are, like, change of pace. Like, they can move at a very quick pace as well. But you're trying to get the ball back into Pascal's hands, right? Like, let him go all the way. And he's, like, an elite transition player, elite transition finisher. He's going to be able to sort of, I don't want to say commandeer, but, yeah, maybe commandeer the offense in certain spots on the, uh, you know, fast break situations. So that's the fast break element, just his ability to be a great athlete. In the half court, uh, I think the post up, you know, post entry stuff, his ability to create out of create out of the post is going to open up so many more three point shots for the Pacers. Uh, I mean, we saw that tonight, they just didn't fall. But for the most part, he is so good at generating that um, and generating advantages, carving out mismatches, and actually hunting them really, really early in the clock. So you get advantages even earlier in situations. And that ma- that meshes really well with Indiana's offense in general. So, yeah, the, it, I think those are the areas. Yeah, we've only, we've only got to see him and Tyrese Halliburton play one game together, and we've talked about it already. You know, Tyrese Halliburton probably came back a little bit too soon from that hamstring injury, you know. Yeah. But we did get to see them play together, and it seemed like Buddy Hield, Aaron Smith, Miles Turner, Tyrese, they were all hitting threes. And so it did feel like it was just like, wow, this is a really nice fit. But when guys aren't hitting threes, it can be kind of, okay, what is what is this offense going to look like? So we can talk about that in more depth I'm, I'm a little bit later. But the big question I have is 29 years old, going to be 30 at, at a, in April, at the end of April. Yeah. The Raptors decided, you know what, we don't want to give him a max contract. And so the Pacers were like, hey, we can kind of use somebody like this. He wanted to be in Toronto. You clearly saw that in his letter in the, in the Players' Tribune how much he just loved the city of Toronto. So what do you think was the big reason why that Masai Ujiri decided, you know what, this is a really hard decision, but I've got to move on from Pasco. I think it was just time. Uh, And I, I know it's weird to say it that way, but I think given where Pascal was in his career, given where the Raptors were inevitably heading, like if this team was better, if especially this season they were performing better, you might have an argument for, hey, let's let's keep Pascal and Scotty around. But it's now been two straight seasons of them just underperforming expectations by a pretty large amount. Uh, and so it got to the point where it was like, this fit isn't clearly working. It's sort of wonky. And oh, by the way, looming ahead is a massive contract extension that you have to deal with. And you still have to deal with Scotty Barnes's contract extension that's going to happen this summer. Um, you're obviously going to be paying Emmanuel quickly now. And so very quickly, no pun intended, the financial situation for the team gets a little bit more difficult. And so that's where you you see Pascal, who's older than the, the rest of the bunch. At a, you mentioned 29 years old, turning 30. You know, seems like the odd man out in that situation. Even though he is, like I said, all-NBA player, you know, all-star level player, guy who is like, one of the most efficient wing scorers in the NBA, like that's a hard guy to say goodbye to. Um, But I think it was inevitable. And to be fair, it's probably very delayed because they probably didn't get as much as they could have. Actually, I know they could, they didn't get as much as they could have, especially from Indiana's perspective. So, yeah. And that was going to be my next question is assuming that Siakam does ink you know, a max contract, let's say, you know, five years, he, he yeah. signs for the most that he possibly can. Do you feel that Indiana did not overpay in that instance? It's easy to say that they did overpay if he walks, 
But should he come to an agreement with the Pacers, do you think they got really good value on that trade with the three first-round picks? Because yeah, this is a Pacers team that is trying to win compared to stack young talent, which they already have a lot of. I think one of the biggest wins for the Pacers in this trade was the fact that they kept every single one of their young prospects. Uh, God bless Jordan Nuara and Kyra Lewis Jr., who came from New Orleans, but those guys are no comparison to Ben Shepard, who like stole the show here in the fourth quarter against Denver, or Andrew Nembard, who's stepped in as a starter and you know sometimes as a backup and like is a really stout defender for you guys, or Jairus Walker, who really high potential forward that you guys can trust in. So I think the fact that none of those prospects, you know Ben Mather and also another one, but none of them were included in the trade is a huge win because not only can you wait and see and develop and like, Hey, if these guys turn into really good rotation players and starters, then throw them into your win now team. Or, you know, this summer, let's say there's a wing or like a, a, a two guard, something along the lines of that, that wants to ask out that is ready to ask out. So now you have, now you have some ammo to go out and get another player next to Siakam and Halliburton. Uh, and I think that's that's sort of where, you know, flexibility-wise, you look at those three first, and they didn't really give up too much leverage on their pick capital, right? Like, two 2024 first, okay, those are going to go out the window this summer. And then the 2026 first, that's only one year of protections that you're worried about, right? After that, you can trade 2028, you can trade 2030, like you still have your pick flexibility and you have the players and prospects involved to go out and make another trade. And so if you want to go out and add to this team and, you know, really become like a, a championship contender, it's possible because you didn't really spend a lot to get an all NBA player in Pascal. And I, I would, you know, I, I'm sure there is some like at the back of your head, maybe like questioning about Pascal resigning or not. I think the Pacers wouldn't do this deal if they knew they didn't have a chance. And given the whole, you know, news reports that came out afterwards about how much Siakam wanted to be in Indiana and how he essentially chose Indiana as his destination, I think that that should lead to you suggesting or, or at least assuming that like it's safe that he's going to extend there. And that's a great point. I mean, I think a lot of Pacer fans feel that way. It feels like there's some that maybe not are not in the know as much feel like, oh, this is a big risk, three picks. Yeah. But the picks don't really feel like they're that good of picks either. So, yeah, you know, I, I feel kind of bad for Toronto in a sense because they did wait <laughs> too long to move him. But I was just surprised that this is all it took to get him. I thought for sure yeah. at least an Obi Toppin or a Jalen Smith would have to go back. So the fact that the Pacers were able to do this, like you said, without giving up any assets was huge. But I am kind of curious because he is 29, going to be third. We talked about that. But yeah. has he reached his ceiling? And, and – now that he's come to the Pacers, is there a way that maybe Tyrese Halliburton can unlock uh, another part of Pascal Siakam that we haven't seen yet? Because I would I would argue that this is by far the best point guard that Pascal Siakam has played with in his entire NBA career. Well, he played with Kyle Lowry. I'm just saying, just putting it out. Different there. point uh, guards. Different. Yeah. They're very different point guards. Mm -hmm. I, I'm not going to go into the Hall. And by the way, Halley is a much more talented point guard. I no disputing that. <laughs> um, but okay, I, I I think the the thing that jumps out to me in terms of what he can double down, and it's funny you mentioned this because I was watching 2019 highlights from their championship run, and this was sort of a saying goodbye to Pascal type of thing for myself. Um, him playing off of the ball as this cutter, as this guy who can 
if teams are starting to load up on Halliburton, you know, there were situations where with Kyle Lowry, right? They would run a pick and roll with Pascal and Kyle. Pascal would slip. Two guys go to the ball, right? They either trap or they're hedging Halley or Kyle in this situation. And Halley is so tall. I mean, he's been doing it all season, right? Look, jump pass. Shout out to Caitlin Cooper. Makes the pass. Dump off. And like Neesmith, wide open. Or Miles Turner, wide open. Or swing. Obi Toppin in the corner. Or, you know what I mean? Like Buddy Heald in the corner. You know, go screen, slip action. They're like he slip, Buddy Heald slips out and like bang. You know what I mean? That's been the Pacers offense. I actually think that element using Pascal Moore as a screener, him slipping into space. Now it's like three on two situations where Pascal can either make a pass, he's great as as this playmaker creator type, or he can finish over the advantage that he has. So I think that's probably it for me. Um, just the ability to work off ball a little bit more. It's not really tapping into any extra ceiling, but it might be adjusting him into a role that can help him thrive more uh, and be more efficient. And that's where, you know, I kind of get reminded of 2019 championship Pascal because he played alongside Kawhi Leonard. He played alongside Kyle Lowry and like he was forced, not even forced. He was at a point in his career where he hadn't developed the number one option type of role yet. I think you can see him go back to that um, and really double down and like excel, to be honest with you, in that type of role. I think that would be a great role for him. Um, well. Fox asked before if maybe there's a, you know, if he's not to say if he's peaked or if his best ball has already been played or not. Is there an avenue of his game that you think that he can continue to develop? For instance, over the last few years, we've seen him become a, a far better passer, far, you know, a, yeah. a gifted passer at his position. Is there another avenue of his game that you think is going to come over the next few years? Uh, maybe I would say there's a potential for the corner three to become a little bit more consistent that okay. i i don't i don't know if the three-point shot i mean he's had one year in his career where he really popped as a three-point shooter uh he's improved he just went through one of the worst slumps he's ever had in his career to start with toronto and then you know over the last couple of months he shot like 40 percent from three so there there's just a, a I think maybe the three-point shot is where I would say there's a potential for him to fine-tune some of that. But I'm not 100%, I would say, confident in that happening. I think what you see with Pascal right now is probably what you're going to get. And by the way, for a guy who's like 29, turning 30, in his prime, I think that's pretty good. Like, you're going to get that for at least two or three more years. Um and, you know, if you can, the last year of his max contract, if he's still producing like this, then, yeah, you guys have really won in, in this trade, you know? We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. 
Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Hmm. No, and, I, and that's a great point. I mean, I, I'm kind of curious about his defense because mm-hmm. he was really known for his defense the first couple of years he was in Toronto. Then I know that he took a little bit of a, you know, a step back defensively the last year or two, and it's been kind of noted statistically as well, just how he's taken a step back. But since he's been in Indiana, we've seen him have to guard Kevin Durant and playing small ball five against Phoenix on a Sunday. And then, you know, they're, he's going against Aaron Gordon, like you mentioned earlier, Jamal Murray being switched out there. So, He's shown that he has, you know, still really good flashes of on-ball defense. And why do you think he took a step back? And do you think that he can kind of recover from that? You ever know you're going to get fired from your job? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I would probably say it's something along the lines of that. I mean, I, especially towards the end of the last couple of months, uh, it was pretty clear that especially off ball when it came to communication and like maybe rotating over or just literally just being vocal on the floor. Um, I think that regressed majorly and that probably has to do, I mean, it's only natural for humans to feel that way when they know they're on the way out. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, When you've handed in your two week notice, you know, you know what I mean? And like for, for that aspect, I think you'll see a much more engaged Pascal defensively in Indiana. I mean, we've seen it through three games already. Um, and I wonder I wonder how the maximized version of him defensively can look because he was so good as the nail help for the Raptors for so long. Uh, he was great as a guy who can switch out. He, he had a possession later. T- you know, I kind of already mentioned it about Jamal Murray and switching out onto Murray. He guards and whatnot like he can give you those type of possessions as well. I'm sort of curious to see how Rick Carlisle is Rick Carlisle is going to maximize a defense with Miles Turner maybe playing a little bit more conservative with Miles instead of I feel like he he asks him to pop out a little bit too often. Having Miles play in more of a deep drop, having Pascal as the help there, and then maybe you can be a little bit more conservative because you have those guys who can maybe 
clean up or, you know, muck up some of those actions once there is dribble penetration. So that's what I would say in terms of maximizing Pascal, but I'd love to hear what you guys think too. In terms of maximizing him, I mean, I think that you got to give him freedom to be able to do, you know, be himself. Like for instance, Carlisle has never really been a big fan of mid-range shots. Siakam, that's a strength of his. I, I've obviously yeah. seen that, you know, it didn't take long to be like, it took the first game to be like, let this man shoot mid-range jumpers because it's clearly something he's comfortable with. So yeah. don't have him not play to his strength. So that's something that, that I would like to see. Alex, what about you? Yeah, I just I just think that they have to let him be himself and just kind of figure out how that pairing works with him and Halliburton. We'd love to see more of that two two-man game once they're both healthy, right? Haven't really been able to see that. It was a you know, a bit of a frustration because he got so hot early on against the Nuggets, had like 10 points in the first like yeah. six minutes, and he ended up like having 12 points with like five minutes left in the game. So I'm like, what is happening here? Like, and some they of it went was away just... from him. They, if, yeah. Well, like, it, so especially at the start of the game, uh, you know, after those 10 points, it felt like even Carlisle was like, hey, guys, this guy is cooking right now. Yeah. Like, give him the Be ball, them ball, you know? Uh, yeah. And that that's sort of what I was alluding to at the beginning, where it's like, it's a feel thing. They have mm-hmm. to figure out where he likes it, where he likes the ball, his spots. And then also he has to figure out where they like their, you know, mm-hmm. jumpers and whatnot. So I, I think these are things that get ironed out and wrinkled out through, you know, whenever, 10 games, 15 games, whatever. But you hope that in the long run, it, it does work out in a positive way. Yeah, you know, one thing that I was thinking about is, and look, it's just a three-game sample size. But for now, does, has Pascal ever had a history of maybe – not being aggressive enough or being too passive. Obviously, we talked about earlier, smart player, drew a lot of double teams against Nuggets, knew when to kick it out to teammates. Teammates didn't make shots. But, you know, we've seen that at times it's like last game against Phoenix, just 14 shots. I'm thinking, oh, my God, come on, you got no Halliburton out there. Need you to take more shots. I want to see what he does against the Nuggets. 16 shots, but just like you talked about, had 10 points in the first quarter over the second and third quarter just has one basket for two points. So Mm -hmm. is there ever a history of maybe saying like, you know, he's got to be more aggressive, call for the ball, take a shot, or is he always just a little bit more of a smart player who knows when to pass it and give it up to an open shooter? He is a smart player. uh, No doubt in that in making the right play. And he is the type of guy that will often make the right play. Like in those final possessions against the Nuggets. I think it was four times where he had the mismatch in the post. They sent help, and it was just like the obvious kick out to one of those guys to hit the open shot. Um, I think the aggressiveness part has never been an issue, at least in Toronto, but I do wonder if that is a psychological element of joining a new team Um, because I'm seeing it right now with RJ Barron and Emmanuel Quickly, especially with Emmanuel Quickly, where... I'm looking for him to shoot more shots and he isn't really taking the shots that are available to him. And he's also being empowered to be this sort of starting point guard for the team now to get guys involved. I think that's a little bit of, Hey, I'm the new guy. I want to make everybody else happy. So let me go ahead and make people happy. And maybe he's not chasing a shot the way he usually would in Toronto. So that's part of it. I don't think it's an aggression thing. I think he's always been a really aggressive player. Like he's going to look for his shots and, and try to get to them pretty consistently. Um, and I, again, a lot of this I feel like comes down to just reading and reacting on the court with your teammates. 
Yeah, I mean, even Tyrese Halliburton, when he first got traded to the Pacers, he was very pass-first, and he was not one that was aggressive at looking for his shots, and they said, we need you to change the way you're looking at how you approach the game. We need you to start being more of a shooter and a scorer because you're you're really good at it, and I think Pascal's going to yeah. figure it out. You know, everybody wants it to be like the New York Knicks when they got OG and Anobi, like just a seamless fit go in there and play, but you know, OG's a different kind of player. He's not one that really needs to have the ball like Pascal, in my opinion. Yeah. And, and and Pascal's going to be fine. I just think the Pacers actually need him to be better because they are lacking talent with Tyrese out. And you can kind of see where this Pacers team is so limited without a Tyrese Halliburton. And that kind of leads me to my next question because the Pacers do make a decent trade for, for Pascal, but still they're, they're saying, hey, we're trying to win basketball games now. Are the Pacers really ready at this point in, in their rebuild to be making a trade like that for Pascal Siakam and, and, and saying, okay, you know what? We're going to pay this guy a, a max contract in the offseason. We're going to obviously pay Tyrese Halbert and his max. And, and now we're going to be kind of limited in terms of what all we can do with our financial flexibility. So it's a, it's a trade you want to see because you want to see your team be more competitive. But do you think the Pacers are really ready for that yet? Um, Absolutely. I mean, I would I would love to hear what you guys think because you guys have obviously covered the team much more extensively than I do. But from an outside perspective, I feel like it's absolutely time. I mean, you only know that because you see the growth and the stardom of Tyrese Halliburton and how good he's become at such a rapid pace. And, you know, the in-season tournament was a big reason for that. But you watch other games and you just see him constantly dominating, becoming an offensive engine unto himself. Like, he is the, up there with guys, you know, Prime, Westbrook, Harden, you know, Jokic, all these kind of, like, massive offensive creators. And the crazy thing is that he actually does it on this ability to play off the ball and off the ball, uh, on the ball. Super, super talented. I think his ability to do both things really pairs well with other stars, and it makes him, you know, open and easy to play with. So that's why... I. I think the Pascal fit makes a lot of sense. He will have his fair share of on-ball re responsibilities. He will have his fair share of off-ball responsibilities. That makes me intrigued about their long-term fit together. And I think when you have a player like Halliburton, you just build and give him as much talent as possible. And then you see what he can do with it. And, and from there, you kind of take it step by step. Okay, so with Halley over these next couple of years, let's say you make the second round of the playoffs a couple times, maybe you sneak into a conference finals once, you know, like out of nowhere, it, it's possible. I really do believe with the talent of, of Halliburton with Pascal, Miles Turner, uh, maybe working around the margins to improve that team a little bit more. I think there is a, a very, very legitimate path for them to be playoff contenders for the foreseeable future. Yeah. And, and I totally agree. I, I didn't actually think it was a bad idea to go for this trade, especially considering what they gave up to get him. Yeah. I think this team is proven that they can hang with some of the better teams in the Eastern conference. So it does give you a little bit of hope, you know, with Tyrese Halliburton, we've got something special here. You know, you, you might feel like you have a superstar in the making. You feel like you might have that number one guy on your roster. So yeah. can Pascal be a number two? I, I think that he's still got some really good basketball in him where he can be. The, the East is a tough battle just because, you know, you got some really tough teams like Milwaukee and Boston and Philadelphia, and you might not beat them this year, but you have to take those steps. And I think just getting these young guys on this roster playoff experience is only going to give them that more. They're going to become more hungry to get back to the playoffs. So that's, that's why I was yeah. okay with it. 
I still just think they are a few pieces away and, and it could be just development from the young guys on the roster already. But I, I still think that they're missing maybe that third go-to guy, maybe a more of a, a two, three that, that can really put the ball in the hoop. But I, I think that we can't really know for sure anyway, until we see this duo together, Halliburton and Siakam for an extended amount of games. And yeah. I'm glad the Pacers made the move early on because at least it gives them 41 games to see Siakam before he's, you know, uh, becoming a free agent. And then they can obviously talk about contracts later, but get him acclimated for 41 games plus potentially a playoff series. And that is what you're going to be able to see. Like, okay, what else do we need to add to this? Instead right. of trying to figure that out on the fly next year, you get a little early head start on it. I think also yeah, just I, to just, oh, my bad, Fachi. I, I, I just want to no, mention no. like, I love when teams go for it and the Pacers are going for it here a little bit. Like, you know, you have something like you mentioned, you've beat the Bucks before you've beat the Celtics. Like you've, you've gone toe to toe with some of these giants. You went toe to toe against the Nuggets tonight. Like you, you know, you have some kind of juice and I love when teams are like, screw it. We're going to go, we're going to add to this team and see what we can go. Like what, what, what can be made of it? Uh, so I, I just, I love that approach, I guess I would say. That's the only thing I wanted to mention. Fauci, go for it. No, I, I completely agree with you because I felt like they saw enough out of this group to be like, this is a good team, but we're, we're not all the way there yet. You need a little bit more, but you want to capitalize on an all-NBA-esque you know, season out of Tyrese Halliburton. And I think that, you know, he obviously he already signed the max uh, contract extension. That'll kick in, but you're still proving to him, hey, we're not afraid to go for it. We're not afraid to push him chips in. But when I heard what the trade was, you know, Bruce Brown, Jordan Noir, the three first round picks, I was 100% on board. I was very shaky if it came down to party with a guy like Benedict Matherin or a guy like Jarris Walker, who you have not really given a chance. So in this scenario, I don't think that Bruce Brown really factored into their future. The picks, I mean, you already drafted Ben Shepard and Jarris Walker. You're trying to find minutes for to me, it made a lot of sense, and Indiana has historically not been a free agent destination. This is how you acquire talent. This is how the Pacers got, you know, your your Tyrese Halliburton's, your, your Buddy Heels, your Aaron Eastmiths, your Obi Toppins, your Jalen Smiths. A lot of players on this team have come through trades, so that's kind of how it works, and we got no problem being able to have them experience Indiana, play with this group, and then also come, come time to put, you know, ink to paper. I think that Siakam is going to be very, very excited. So I respect the move, even if it just means getting to the playoffs. That is far more valuable to the Pacers than it is to a handful of other teams out there that have championship aspirations. Unfortunately, not everybody has championship aspirations year in, year out. So yeah. sign me up for this deal 10 out of 10 times. Yeah, no, and I, I agree with that, Fudge. I think that it's just going to be cool to see how the Pacers – continue to build this roster. I don't think they're anywhere near done yet. The fact that they have an open roster spot, if there's a buyout candidate, you know, even, even Kyle Lowry got traded from Miami to Charlotte on Monday. Right. And, or yeah, it was no Tuesday, excuse me, Tuesday. So, you know, you see him get traded to, to Charlotte and there's talks about him being a buyout candidate, but with the new CBA, only a certain amount of teams can go out there and actually get him. So it will be interesting. Gordon Hayward's another name to keep an eye on. That could be oh, bought yeah. out. Does he make sense for Indiana if he's a buyout candidate as someone that can kind of help them with the three spot? I, I think that that's something to actually keep an eye on, but the Pacers are in a good spot. I don't think that they're putting the car before the horse. I think they've got everything figured out. And 
the one thing I keep going back to S is just after that first game against the Blazers, when they interviewed Tyrese Halliburton post game, he said, Oh, we're talking new terminology. You know, he doesn't know where to be out on the floor. We're trying to help him figure it out. We're trying to figure out where he wants the ball. He said, but we're already, he said, I'm already seeing things that's going to work for us. And I'm like, man, this just gets me excited because it only took Halliburton like 30 minutes of playing with them to realize, okay, this is where we can get better at. And once we see those two together, that's just the bottom line. I keep saying it, and I know it's annoying to hear me keep keep bringing up the same point, but those two together it's are going to important though. It's yeah. going to raise the <laughs> ceiling is. so much of what the other guys do because everybody else on this team is, you know, they're really good role players, and mm-hmm. you know you can't rely on Neesmith and, and Turner to carry your team for you. They need to fill in the gaps when maybe you when you're getting double teams to Siakam and Halliburton, but. I shouldn't be expecting Turner to drop 30 points a game to help me beat the Nuggets. I just can't expect that from him. Yeah, yeah. No, I hear you. I hear you. And I think, again, like once you see 30 games of Pascal and Halley together, you will have a better feel of what the real potential of this team is, what the real ceiling is. Like we were talking about ceilings earlier. We don't really know yet, and I don't think we will until we sort of see this team in the playoffs of – what this team is going to look like in a postseason series. What are the, by the way, like what are the quirks? What are the faults that this team has in the postseason series? Going back to Cleveland last year, right? Cleveland against the Knicks, we saw, we noticed very quickly, oh man, they are way too one track minded with their offensive approach. They are hammering teams with Darius Garland and Donovan Mitchell pick and rolls. The Knicks snuffed that out within two and a half games. And it was like a tough series from Cleveland from there. We don't know what the Pacers are going to look like in a postseason series. And I think that that's the fun of it. You know, mm-hmm. you, you get to see how this new look team can operate in a postseason setting. And then from there, it's like, okay, well, maybe Ben Matherin, you know, may, maybe he's he is or he isn't a part of our future. Or th- this player, like, okay, maybe we can tweak. We need this type of player. You guys mentioned adding to the wings. Like, yeah, maybe that becomes a more prevalent issue come playoff time. So um, I'm just curious to see how how this team kind of figures things out together both on the offensive end and the defensive end and i would be very excited if you if i was you guys um just because it's the beginning of what i feel could be a very long window of playoff runs and whatnot for pacers basketball absolutely man so we want to thank you for giving us so much of your time today to talk about pascal siakam it's it's definitely an exciting time here in indiana but I'll let you close things out here by just telling everybody where they can find you at on social media. And then if you have any final thoughts on Pascal and maybe want to give him a shout out just for all of the great moments he gave you as a Raptors fan. Okay. Well, I'll start on the Pascal front first. Um, He is one of the best stories in Raptors franchise history. Uh, Maybe one of the best developmental stories in recent NBA history. Just uh, I, I said this on my reaction video from the trade, but when he first started playing as a rookie, I thought, man, it would be great if he turned into like Amir Johnson. You guys remember Amir Johnson yes. by any chance? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Rim runner, nice little athlete, right? I was like, man, if he can just be a nice, you know, 10 and 10 every night, give me a, a lot of rebounds, a lot of energy, get on the fast breaks, roll to the basket, all that stuff. I think that'll be a good outcome for Pascal Siakam's career. This is 2016 Isfandiar. 2023 Isfandiar is looking at that person and saying, you're an idiot. He turned into an all-NBA player. He turned into an all-star. He's, you know, became the offensive engine for the Toronto Raptors for the last five seasons. He grew and got better literally every single year of his career, fine-tuning himself as a playmaker, fine-tuning himself as a scorer, 
none of this stuff seemed even remotely plausible um, when he was a rookie. It just did not seem like it was going to turn out this way. And he squeezed every single bit of juice out of his career possible to become the player he is today. Uh, and I'm excited that Indiana is sort of getting the the final product here. Like this is this is really the I don't want to say he's a finished product. He's obviously going to work on his game and grow and try to fine tune. But yeah, this is this is the all star all NBA player that you're getting. And I think he works extremely well in the Pacers system where you can find me uh, at just S. Barahini on Twitter. I write stuff for Forbes, Raptors stuff specifically. Um, but yeah, I'll be on Twitter. I'll be doing other stuff here and there as well. So yes, thank you guys for having me. I appreciate you guys. Absolutely. Yes, we really appreciate you coming on. Just want to let you know, hey, if you love him, you got to let him go. He's in good hands now. All right. <laughs> we're we're going to take good care of him. You, you'll always have that 2019 <laughs> highlights video that you could watch, you know, just yes. for good times. But right. no, seriously, we appreciate you coming on. I thought you broke down his game. Fantastic. Uh, everyone is going to really enjoy this. And uh, we look forward to you know, having you back on maybe after we've seen a bigger sample size of Halliburton and Siakam. We'd love to have you back on. So appreciate you. Yeah, I'd love to, man. I'd love to. I, I, I really want to see how they, they look together, too. I'm excited. You, you've got a lot of Raptors people and a lot of Raptors fans who are going to be tuned into Pacers games for at least the rest of the season to see where that 2024 pick falls. So, yeah. <laughs> that is true. I'm, I'm glad we're not in that boat this year watching the Pacers see where they're going to get the best draft pick. I mean, it is, <laughs> it is fun for a little bit, but... Being on Tankathon for three straight, four straight months Not is fun. it no. is very boring after a while. It gets old. But uh, S, once again, thanks so much for coming on. Like Fox said, we'll do it again soon. And uh, hope you have a good rest of your night. Thanks. This is Tyrese Halliburton, and you're listening to Setting the Pace.